peace from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So it has been, uh, this is the eighth week that we've been in this sermon series, and I think it's easy to look at forgiveness and think, ah, that's, that's easy to do. Um, we can know everything about forgiveness in just a couple of sentences, a couple of thoughts, and yet the more you dig into it, we discover how deep and rich the well of forgiveness that the Lord has graced us with truly is. And so it's taken eight weeks for us to learn about forgiveness and how God gives forgiveness to the world and how God activates and works through forgiveness to get to today, which is today we're going to actually learn how to forgive each other. The basics of forgiveness. We learned about the history. We learned about what scripture has to say. We've learned about how our culture has a uh, drought of forgiveness. Well, today, what does Christian forgiveness actually look like? Jesus gives us not one, but two forgiveness commands. Now, a command is not a suggestion. These are things that our Lord commands us to do. They're directives. Um, it's like the Ten Commandments. And just like the Ten Commandments, Jesus does not just suggest that we forgive, he, he demands it, he expects it. But just like the Ten Commandments, what we discover when God gives us a command is we discover that we are um, broken in this life, that we are sinners. That's part of the reason why we need forgiveness. And so even forgiveness itself, even though Jesus commands us to forgive, it can be difficult. But when I say that there are two forgiveness commands, what are they? Let's start with the first one. And whenever you stand praying, forgive. This is from Mark 11, verse 25. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. The wording here is the same as in the Lord's Prayer that we find in Matthew and Luke. Uh, where Jesus says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And when you hear that, you may think, so is me forgiving my neighbor a requirement for God to forgive me? If we read this out of context, yes, we can come to that conclusion because of the way that it's written. But if you read it in the context in which it's given, including the Lord's Prayer. God's forgiveness is always the beginning point, and the result is that we are free to forgive our neighbor. It's, it's starting in a place of humility. If you are humbled by the fact that you have been forgiven, that a sinner like you is forgiven by God over and over again, that humility, that humbleness, frees you to be able to forgive your neighbor. If you don't first understand that you are forgiven, you, it will be impossible for you to forgive and reconcile with those who have wronged you. Okay? So Christian forgiveness begins with the presupposition that you, a sinner, are forgiven on account of your Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, what do you do with that? Well, you forgive, and the command is, is isn't a suggestion, you are commanded to forgive, and in that forgiveness, you can be assured that God forgives you. So because God forgives you, you can forgive. What does this word actually mean here? The word forgive is a day. It literally means forgive right now. If you see that you have anything against anybody and you're doing other things like praying or being in church, 
Drop all you're doing and go and forgive them immediately. This is known as a present tense imperative. The word forgive here in Greek means not dwelling on the past and not waiting for the future, but right now in the moment, I need to go and I need to do this. And it's imperative. Do you know what imperative is? Imperative means something of vital importance, crucial, essential, and urgent. So Jesus' first forgiveness command is forgive right away. If someone has wronged you, forgive them. And the way that you do this, you don't even have to wait for them to repent. In fact, you're commanded not to wait for them to repent. You're to forgive right away, which means turning to God and say, God, I forgive them, help me to forgive them. That's your starting place whenever you have been wronged. To turn first to God, not on your neighbor. To turn to God and say, God, I forgive them, help me to forgive. Jesus does this on the cross as an example. When he's being crucified. Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. This is what Stephen does in the book of Acts when he's being stoned for the witness that he gives to Jesus. He prays as he's being stoned, Father, forgive them. This is to be our mentality as well. And we, it's not even waiting for the person to make amends. It's none of that. It's starting with, I forgive you. Forgive right away. And maybe you're going, yeah, but. And that makes perfect sense. I feel that way too. It's hard to forgive. And sometimes... Forgiveness doesn't happen on the first time you say it. It's almost like you need to say it again and again and again. You need to discover forgiveness. Maybe you have this feeling that I do. I have let things go and then I take them right back up again. I have hurts that are tra- you know go back to my childhood. Uh, little things like playing in a play bo- in a sandbox with a kid and he takes my my pail and my and my shovel or something and I'll be driving along in the car and that that memory will hit. And I just go, why? I don't remember even who the kid was. Uh, And I certainly don't have that pail and shovel today. So why is that hurt still there? It's because um, I'm a sinner. And I'll take back up the hurts that I try to give to God. Yeah, but is also the critique that modern culture has for forgiveness. If you just forgive, even before there is repentance, even before anything is done, doesn't that encourage abuse? That is a valid argument. It's the argument that we've seen in our culture over the last 10 years with things like uh, the Me Too movement. The big critique is that if you forgive, that just encourages the abuser to continue in the abusive pattern. If you have forgiveness alone, you end up with cheap grace. Cheap grace was coined by the theologian and martyr, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and he quoted it in speaking about how the German public acquiesced to the sins of the Third Reich, the Nazis, prior to and into World War II. That just turning a blind eye, just forgiving bad behavior, willy-nilly, leads to cheap grace. And grace is not cheap, it's costly. It costs God everything. So, if there's just forgiveness without justice, 
What good is that to anyone? Now, if this was the only command that Jesus gave us, then yes, we would be talking about cheap grace. But I want to remind you, you all know this well-known quote from Martin Luther, I'm sure. All of you know it by heart. I see you can look at it, you're like, oh yeah, I know that one. If you don't, I'll fill you in. It says, scriptura sacra sui ipsius interpretus. You all remember that, right? Martin Luther, when he was excommunicated by Pope Leo in 1520, wrote an assertio, or, or an assertion, a response. And in there, this is what is Martin Luther's interpretation, interpretation of Scripture. The church was saying, Martin Luther's got it all wrong because he's interpreting the Bible according to his own wants and needs. And Luther responded with, no, Scripture, sacred Scripture, interprets itself. In other words, when you open up Scripture and the Word begins to speak, the Holy Spirit begins to interpret you through it. So we can't read any one verse in Scripture out of context. That's how you get things like cheap grace and the idea that Christian forgiveness uh, allows bad people to continue to do bad things. That's just not true. Martin Luther makes this clear, Scriptura Sacra Sui Ipsius Interpris. So what else does Scripture have to say about forgiveness to help us understand his command to forgive right now? Did you hear Pastor Mark read two Scriptures, not just one? Luke 17, 3a, just the first part of the verse, it says, Pay attention to yourselves. I love that phrase. My grandpa used to word it the way Shakespeare does. He would say, to thine own self be true. In other words, watch yourselves and watch your fellow Christian neighbors. If your brother sins, rebuke him. If your brother sins, rebuke him. How does this work? This doesn't sound like forgive immediately. This sounds like there's a condition. That word rebuke is a hostile word. You ever been rebuked? Doesn't sound like it's fun, does it? I'm going to share with you what rebuke is like. Maybe you know this, this famous scene from this movie. Johnny. Four weeks. 20 papers, that's $2 plus tip. Gee, Johnny, I don't have a dime. Sorry. Didn't ask for a dime. $2. Well, it's funny. See, my mom had to leave early to take my, my brother to school and my dad to work because... $2. Cash. Growing up, I didn't know the name of that movie. I just thought it was the movie about, oh, that's the $2 movie. Uh, that's from a movie called um, Better Off Dead. And throughout the entire movie, that kid, the newspaper kid, the paper boy, is chasing around John Cusack demanding $2 for the papers that he sold them. He was seeking justice. And that is what rebuke means. It means to express sharp disapproval or criticism of someone because of their behavior or actions. Remember, Jesus says, if someone sins against who? You, you are to rebuke them, to challenge them, to call them out on their stuff for harming you. But he goes on, he says in the second part of the verse, and if he repents, turns back, forgive him. This is the same word. 
It means forgive right now. Here Jesus adds an addendum, and it has to do with repent. The previous one says forgive even before someone repents. But here's an example of what to do when they repent. The first verse had to do with you and your relationship. See, forgiveness is something that is a blessing to you, but it's also a blessing to your neighbor, but it functions in two different ways. God wants us as Christians to be quick to forgive when we have been wronged. That goes between us and God. It also allows us to learn when to just let things go. But if you can't let things go, if you need to, if the relationship has been broken, then you need to go and speak and rebuke your neighbor so that they have an opportunity to repent. Forgiveness is not necessary uh, uh, with repent as a prerequisite, but reconciliation with your neighbor is. So forgiveness in the first instance is between, it's about you. It's about exercising the demons that you can carry around you, those hurts, carry those ghosts around you, you need to let those go so that you have inner peace. But as far as your neighbor is concerned, there, there needs to be an accusation or a confrontation or a challenge or a rebuke in order for repentance to take place so that there can be reconciliation in the relationship. That's when you publicly speak forgiveness on the one who has wronged you. The first one does not require the second one. This means that you can forgive someone and not come to reconciliation. But in order for reconciliation to take place, there needs to be both consequence and forgiveness in order, and repentance in order for that reconciliation to happen. In other words, Christian forgiveness challenges and forgives. And this is really hard. I imagine for many of you, you like the challenge, but not the forgive. I imagine for others, you're more comfortable with the forgive and a little afraid of the challenge. But look what happens when you leave one out. If we just forgive and forget to challenge someone who's harmed us, you get cheap grace. And this is where challenge becomes very necessary when abuse is taking place. If you have been wronged in a way that is... is um, not just a personal slight, but causing physical harm or emotional or mental harm to you or to the people around you, that's more than just a slight. That, that's a crime. And there needs to be a challenging of that behavior. It is not loving to allow your neighbor to continue to abuse you in some way. If you just have to forgive, oh, I'm just going to let it go, I'll let it go, I'll let it go, there you have cheap grace. Forgiveness without consequence. However, if you just have challenge with no forgiveness, there you get no grace. How many of you like to be right? Do you like to be right? I like to be right. I can tell you this is hard too because how do you keep from being smug? There's a few times in my marriage, I've been married almost 20 years, I can count on my hand the number of times that I've been right. And when I'm right, oh, I, I'm sure it just drives my wife crazy. A smile comes across my face. And I just get smug. I was right. Finally, I was right about something. 
That's challenge without forgiveness. That's no grace. That's not seeking to reconcile the relationship. That's just seeking revenge or being right or whatever you want to call it, vengeance. You need both together. If you don't have both challenge and forgiveness, reconciliation is not possible. You can have forgiveness without the challenge, and you can have challenge without forgiveness. One leads to revenge. The other one allows for continued abuse. Cheap grace, no grace. But Jesus doesn't end there in talking about forgiveness because it's very easy for us to also turn repentance into some form of transaction before the forgiveness is given. That's why Jesus says forgive right now. He goes on and he says, if your brother sins against you, this is the same verse, seven times in the day, and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must, that's a command, you must forgive him. So what is Jesus saying? When you have called your neighbor out on their stuff, you should already have forgiven them. Because if it happens seven times in a day, it's not as if you can be slow to forgive or wait for your pound of flesh. You ever heard the phrase, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me? Jesus doesn't allow for that. He says, once you call out your neighbor, you need to already be forgiving them in your heart. If they accept that forgiveness through repentance, then they've been reconciled to you. And if they do it over and over again, you are commanded to forgive them. What Jesus is not saying here is that, oops, in other words, repentance is not punishment. You don't get to sit there and say, well, I'm going to forgive them if they grovel enough. Or I'm going to forgive them if they buy me enough presents. If they do a lot of acts of repentance. No, that's not what Jesus is saying. He's not saying that Christian forgiveness is transactional grace. In other words, once you get your pound of flesh. And this is hard too. Because when we're hurt, our natural instinct, our natural response is to hurt back in some way. Even loved ones. So we cross our arms and hear, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, until we're satisfied to then say, okay, I forgive you. Just don't do it again, or whatever it may be. The Christian forgiveness is immediate forgiveness and challenge. The forgiveness is already happening inside because you've been forgiven. Announcing it then makes it real in the midst and can be received by the other person to allow for reconciliation. They very well may not receive it, but that doesn't change your ability to forgive and rebuke. There are two important lessons that we can learn from these two Jesus commands concerning forgiveness. The first one is that Christian forgiveness is at least, at least, not at most, about inner healing. But it is so much more, because like I said, it's about reconciliation of the community. But it begins with inner healing. If you have been harmed, and I mean seriously harmed, not little things, but you've been abused Uh, you've had a horrible divorce. It can take a while of living in the forgiveness of God and just praying over and over again, God, I forgive them, I forgive them. 
Help me to forgive them because you forgive me. It's living in that. It's, it's percolating in that so that inner healing can happen. This is, like I mentioned, to exercise the ghosts that hang around you. And it's also about regaining your power. Because the goal is not to move from hate to love, but really to a place of indifference toward your neighbor that has harmed you. That's where the the personal forgiveness comes in for inner healing. But it also allows for the possibility of reconciliation, as strange as that sounds. If the forgiveness is brought to a point where it can be given and received by the other person. The Christian is quick to forgive and to reconcile. Doesn't mean we're going to do it perfectly, and this isn't an overnight thing. This is often a process that has to do with discernment. So the first is that Christian forgiveness is at least about inner healing. You personally, but it has power to transform the world around you and the people around you. Second, Christian forgiveness does not deny, but promotes justice. When you rebuke as a Christian, it's not about revenge, it's about love. Anyone who's ever made the the breakdown of saying, well, Christians are so judgy, I wish they were more loving. You can't have one without the other. You cannot have one without the other because justice is calling a thing what it is. It's wanting people to get what they deserve. And if you love your neighbor, you will be offended by injustice coming their way. Whether it's through their action, uh, the decisions that they're making, or the harm that they've caused to you. So a Christian will always forgive, seek to forgive, and also keep accountable, challenge by speaking the truth in love and also allowing justice to take place for someone who's carried out an egregious offense against you to allow them to receive the consequences of their actions. Because a lot of times, hurts come not just because of personal slights, but because of crime. And crime needs to be addressed. And the way you address it as a Christian is not one or the other, it's both of these. Now, this is where discernment comes in because it's very easy for us to judge a situation where we seek to celebrate and satisfy our own egos by using forgiveness or justice as an excuse for revenge and vengeance against our neighbor or against our brother. Discernment is important here. Discernment is the ability not to judge, but to judge well. And discernment is a gift of the Holy Spirit. So when harm comes your way, when forgiveness needs to be expressed, the first place you're going, as I mentioned, is to God and praying to Him. In other words, Christian forgiveness equals judgment and love. Now, why is this important? And you might think, boy, Jesus is really putting a a high bar here. Jesus is not commanding you and I to do anything that he hasn't done or that God doesn't do. Think about your relationship with God. God has forgiveness waiting for you for all the sins you have ever done on account of Jesus Christ. And God forgives you even before you ask for forgiveness. But when you have 
done a mistake or done wrong, God's word of justice calls you out on what you've done and points out to you that you are a sinner in need of a savior. This is how the gospel, this is how we are to relate as children of God with one another and with the world. To be like our heavenly father, to be quick to forgive, but also to administer accountability. That is Christian forgiveness. It is both judgment and love. It is both uh, correction. It is both uh, correction and forgiveness. It is both uh, rebuke and forgiveness. It is both law and gospel. You are here today because God both forgives you and has called you out on your stuff that you know that you're not perfect the way that you are, that you need God, that you need community, that you need your neighbor, that you need his forgiveness, and that you need his correction. And so, I announce to you what you have received so that you can be empowered to live it, to express it, to show it in your day-to-day life. And my challenge this week to you is for you to contemplate these two commands to forgive. Forgive and rebuke. And to gain the courage to do both. Because they're not easy. And they take a lot of work. But now that you've heard the word, there's no excuse. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sake. Your sins are forgiven in his name. You are completely forgiven. Now, this day, right now. Let us go and forgive. Amen.